I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. Greed, deception, abuse of power, that's no plan. They, they just gatekeep knowledge, you know? They're, they're to total masters of deception. They manipulate everything. You know, these, these pricks at the helm have lied to us. It's... I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false, and I need to go back to work for the American people. They're, they're setting it up for the Great Deception. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it all revolves around the Great Deception. Yeah, right? it, bingo. And L.A. and I talked about that. I said, L.A., is this the Great Deception? And he didn't hesitate. He said, absolutely. I never used to question before, and now I question everything. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. The world needs a wake-up call. to the great deception podcast i'm your host matt thanks for joining me we got a good one tonight normally i don't like to get into politics on this side of the podcast i like to save that for master debaters but this guys there's so much going on right now and i found this really interesting article uh from a couple weeks ago out of china now just saying those words is going to trigger a lot of people and I understand that, but we have to deprogram for a little bit. We have to understand that we have been indoctrinated to believe we're the good guys. China, Russia, bad guys, right? Well, I'm not saying that China is the good guys, but in this article, they make some very, very valid points. And I'm going to also say, there's some bullshit in here. There's propaganda in here on their side. But that's what this show gets into. And that's why I'm not afraid to do shows like this. Because you have to break your programming. You have to start looking at facts versus fiction. Whether it goes against your emotional beliefs or not. Whether you want to just throw it out right away because it says China. It's from China. Fine. If that's the case, you probably shouldn't be listening to this show because you're not at a place where you can, as the screen says, question everything. You have to be able to look at all of this stuff, guys, take it in, absorb it, and then make your own thoughts on it. 
And I, I know that a lot of people would not even look at this just because of where it comes from. And that's a shame because I've dealt with it throughout social media. Anytime I post something um, on the conflict in Ukraine, you have these people that are triggered on the Ukraine side. You have these people that are triggered on the Russian side. The Ukrainian people are like, oh, you're a, you're, you're a shill for Putin. No. It, both sides have have done things that are wrong here. But we can't just put the blame on one person and always point the finger at someone else. And that's what Americans love to do. Americans love to think that they're better than everybody else and that all these problems are somebody else's and, and we can come in and take care of it, which is total bullshit. Because since we've been in charge of the world, <laughs> it's, only, it's been less than two decades that America has been at war in 240 years of existence. Under two decades, less than 20 years, America has not been at war or involved in a conflict. And that's something we have to look at. We have to rationalize that. We have to look ourselves in the mirror and and, and be realistic. Now, you, you can live in fairytale land. You can believe, you know, red, white, and blue is the greatest thing ever. We've never done anything wrong. Fine. So be it. I, I disagree. And I see behind the curtain. I see the ugliness that goes on. Now, do I love this country? Absolutely. Do I love the people of this country? Absolutely. Do I love the government? Absolutely not. I think our government is one of the most despicable creations ever. They're terrorists, flat out, flat out. And that's what we'll get into tonight. And what I want to, again, get into your head is that we have to be able to look at everything. And if we can't look at everything, well, then, you know, we have, we have bigger issues here. So before we get to this great deception podcast, you can go on Patreon, check it out. We have a couple different tiers. We have a monthly meeting every month. Every Monday Night Master Debaters video is out there. Every video from the show is out there or will be out there. They're not, oh, some of the older ones aren't out there yet. I'm working on getting it updated. And then in addition, I, I love to post articles, old books, things like that, that help you see the bigger picture. And we have some great things coming up ahead. I'm getting back into the old world after this episode. And I have another one that I'm going to uh, be doing here in the near future on the Restrict Act, because that's another political type issue that everyone has to be aware of because it's as totalitarian as it gets. And it ties right in with this here. And so let's let's look at what we have here. Okay, so if you want to support the show, look in my link tree, you can make donations, you can join the Patreon, uh, there's Venmo, PayPal, all that fun stuff out there. You can buy a t-shirt. I got the Great Deception sweatshirts, t-shirts, and we will be coming out with some more. I've been having some issues with the site and, and getting quality pictures on there. Um, so I, ha I have to work with somebody that's better technically with pictures and things like that to be able to get some designs on some shirts. And I have some great fans that are also helping out. And I truly appreciate that, guys. This is a group effort. 
You know, I mean, <laughs> I'm one person. I try to do as much as I can. My time is limited, especially this time of the year. We just started little league season here for my son and he takes pr top precedent over anything in my life. So um, we might not be getting as much of the deep dives over the next couple months while I am busy trying to uh, help our youth in a time where we desperately need it. I'm trying to help these kids out, let them struggle, let them work through struggles, and let them see that there are adults out there that can be, you know, lead them, that can point them in the right direction, that won't push them to these the insanity that's going on in some of the world. Now, again, guys, keep it in perspective. It's not everywhere. But in the news, they want you to make it believe it's everywhere. Again, that's part of this machine they've created here. The propaganda, they want you to live in fear. And that's what here, this, this is called the state of democracy in the United States in 2022. Now, this is from March 23rd or, or March 21st of 2023. So it's a couple weeks old now. And this is from China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Now, some of you are going to say, oh, this is this is red propaganda. Okay, fine. Shut the show off. Don't listen and keep going on your way. Those of you who want to enhance your learning, want to know more, want to try to understand what's going on and make rational decisions based off of that, we'll give it a listen. So we're going to start with the preamble. In 2022, a vicious cycle of democratic pretensions dysfunctional politics and a divided society continued in the United States. Problems such as money, politics, identity politics, social rift, and the gulf between rich and the poor worsened. Those are all facts. The maladies afflicting American democracy deeply infected the cells of U.S. politics and society and further revealed U.S. governance failure and institutional defects. And we all can admit that our system has failed and has major defects. Despite mounting problems at home, the U.S. continued to behave with a sense of superiority, pointing fingers at others, usurped the role of quote-unquote lecturer of democracy, and concoct and play up a false narrative of democracy versus authoritarianism. And they love to do this. This is what they did with Gaddafi. Okay? <laughs> they built this guy up to be this evil guy while he was helping his people. And they murdered him to serve interests of none other than itself. The U.S. acted to split the world into two camps of what it defined as democracies versus non-democracies. Now, does this sound familiar? If we go back to, we go back to good old, none other than Mr. George Bush. And what did he say to get us into the Iraq war. Well, he had this to say. Let's see, where is he? Um, guys, I'm sorry, I'm working on this. Uh, here we go. All right, let's look at good old George Bush. Oops. But we know their true nature. North Korea is a regime arming with missiles and weapons of mass destruction while starving its citizens. Iran aggressively pursues these weapons and exports terror, while an unelected few repress the Iranian people's hope for freedom. Iraq continues to flaunt its hostility toward America and to support terror.
the Iraqi regime has plotted to develop anthrax and nerve gas and nuclear weapons for over a decade. This is a regime that has already used poison gas to murder thousands of its own citizens, leaving the bodies of mothers huddled over their dead children. This is a regime that agreed to international inspections, then kicked out the inspectors. This is a regime that has something to hide from the civilized world. States like these and their terrorist allies constitute an axis of evil arming to threaten the peace of the world. By seeking weapons of mass destruction, these regimes pose a grave and growing danger. They could provide these arms to terrorists, giving them the means to match their hatred. They could attack our allies or attempt to blackmail the United States. In any of these cases, the price of indifference would be catastrophic. We will work closely with our coalition to deny terrorists and their state sponsors the materials, technology, and expertise to make and deliver weapons of mass destruction. We will develop and deploy effective missile defenses to protect America and our allies from sudden attack. And all nations should know America will do what is necessary to ensure our nation's security. We'll be deliberate, yet time is not on our side. I will not wait on events while dangers gather. I will not stand by as peril draws closer and closer. The United States of America will not permit the world's most dangerous regimes to threaten us with the world's most destructive weapons. And there you go. Again, a terrorist in himself, right? George Bush, we all know he's full of shit. He's a terrorist. He is one of them. He's part of their little club and not for us at all. So to serve interests of none other than itself, the U.S. acted to split the world into two camps, like we said, and organized another edition of a quote-unquote summit for democracy to check how various countries had performed on meeting U.S. standards for democracy and issue new orders. Be it high-sounding rhetoric or maneuvers to, driven by an agenda, no one can hide the real designs of the U.S. to maintain its hegemony, playing block politics, and using democracy as a tool for political ends. This report collects a multitude of facts, media, comments, and expert opinions to present a complete and real picture of American democracy over the year. What they reveal is an American democracy in chaos at home and a trail of havoc and disasters left behind as the U.S. peddles and imposed its democracy around the globe. It helps remove the facade of the American democracy for more people worldwide. Now, what's wrong about that? What's incorrect about that statement? Look at Afghanistan. Look at Iraq. Look what's going on in Ukraine right now. <laughs> it's obvious, but people want to wear the rose-colored glasses. They want to they live in that boomer age where 
America was the superpower and could do no wrong because you've been blinded. You don't want to see it. Listen, like I said, I love this country, but I'll be the first to call them on their bullshit because everyone should. Otherwise, we're heading down a dark road. American democracy in chronic ills. The U.S. refuses to acknowledge the many problems and institutional crises confronting its democracy home and stubbornly claims to be a template and beacon of democracy for the world. Such uh, imperiousness perpetuates the ills of its democracy and causes dire consequences for other countries. First of all, I don't want to live in a democracy. We're not a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. And that's the problem here. A democracy just means 51%. Majority rule. I don't want to live in that. I want to live in the constitutional republic that the founding fathers set up, and we don't live there anymore. And this helps point it out. American democracy in further decline. The functioning of American democratic institutions may look as lively as a circus, with politicians of all stripes showing themselves off one after another. But however boisterous the show is, it cannot hide the lethargy in addressing the long-standing grave problems. Spot on. Lamond points out that 2022 is a year of doubt for U.S. democracy. A silent civil war has taken root in the U.S., and repairing damaged democracy requires a sense of nation and public interest, both of which are currently lacking. This is sad for a country that has long held itself up as a model. In 2022, the Swedish think tank International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance added the U.S. to its list of regressive democracies. Accurate. Two years after the Capitol riots. Now, this is where I get a little Capitol riots. Come on. We all know that was an inside job, and that was for the cameras, and that was to make Trump look bad so he could never run again. One of the many ploys used by the Uniparty. I'm not blaming Democrats. I'm not blaming Republicans. I'm blaming the Uniparty because that's what these people, that's who they work for. The Washington Post and New Yorker observed that American democracy is in a worse state than ever before, with the congressional riots fully exposing social rifts, political divisions, and rampant misinformation. 2020 through 2023 has magnified the rampant misinformation and the majority of it is coming from our government and our government entities. The two parties, although not aware of the age-old ills of American democracies, have neither the resolve nor the courage to pursue changes, nor the incentive. They're financially fine. They don't give a shit. Given the increasingly polarized political atmosphere, as well as their focus on party interests. In 2022, the U.S. Congress was brought into another paralysis, not by riots, but by partisan fights. The farce of failing to elect the 118th House Speaker lasted four days, and the decision was only reached after 15 rounds of voting. In the last round, divisions were such that Republicans and Democrats voted strictly along party lines. The New York Times warned that Congress could see repeated chaos like this over the next two years. Brad Bannon, the president of U.S. Political Consultancy, put it bluntly, the impasse In the U.S. House of Representatives, over the election of the Speaker is another demonstration of the decline in our political institutions. This has aroused concerns among the general public. The Brookings Institution, 
concludes in a 2022 report that the once proud American democracy is facing a systematic crisis and is accelerating its decline. The impact is spreading to all fronts in domestic politics, the economy and society, posing a moral threat to the legitimacy and health of capitalism. I don't agree with that. The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace warns in a report that American democracy is at a dangerous inflection point, declining faster as the inherent ills of the American capitalism worsens. I do think that we're a dangerous infection, inflection point. It, this is, it's going to go one way or the other. Either we're going down the road of totalitarianism, like we'll talk about in the next ep episode on the Restrict Act, or we turn it around. But there's too much money and to, to have it change right with the way it is right now. Multiple challenges such as voting restrictions, election fraud, and the loss and trust of government are accelerating the disintegration of American democracy. Ian Bremmer, president of the Eurasia Group, writes that America's dysfunctional politics raises fears that the 2024 presidential election would again provoke deadly violence in the country, which the government wants. I'll say that. They want violence because then they can tighten the noose even more. And lots of times they perpetuate the violence. Look at all the FBI. FBI would not even answer the question whether they were at the Capitol on January 6th. They would not answer it. They wouldn't say whether or not they had people there on the ground, which means they did. Political polarization intensified by partisan fights with radical factions rising in both the Democratic and Republican parties, the two were increasingly at odds in many aspects, such as voter base, ideology, and identity. As a result, the traditional inter-party balance based on policy compromise became more difficult to sustain. The two parties saw each other not only as political opponents, but also as a threat to the country. Listen to your president. What has he said over and over again about a large percentage of Americans. He calls them the MAGA crowd, calls them terrorists, domestic terrorists. That's his political opponent. And that's where we are right now. You have to pick a team. Why? I don't want to be on any of these fucking teams. They're both scumbags. But what they're doing is they are polarizing it. They are It's a great way to divide. And everything that they've done in this country is to divide and conquer and instill fear. Because when you're fearful, you're more malleable. When you're more malleable, they can inflict laws that benefit them and do not benefit us. Like the Patriot Act. The New York Review of Books points out that America is already a binational state with the Republicans and Democrats leading two sharply opposed national communities that effectively operate as confederations under a single federal government. And I disagree. I call it the uniparty because it's two wings of the same bird. They're, they're, they're fighting for the same thing in the end, but they're going to, they're, it's like WWE. They're going to go on television and, and, and pretend like they're on your side, but then watch what they do when they go vote. Like this restrict act. So many of these uniparty people are, are, are crossing lines to do it. The United States, of, and again, it doesn't benefit us, the people. 
If it benefits the government, they will unite. But if it benefits us, the people, that's when you'll see the division among these uniparty politicians. The United States of America has become the disunited states. The discord between the two Americas was deepening day by day, and political polarization reached an unprecedented level. Amid the escalating political battles, politicians put the interests of their political parties and factions above those of the country and acted in an unbridled way to attack and pin blames on each other. Right? And go go look at Twitter. Go look at Instagram. Oh, they're blaming the left. Oh, the left is blaming the right. It's so stupid. It's such a waste of energy. And one day we're going to realize that this is a huge waste of energy. You know, I mean, it's inevitable, but we're going to get there. And it's not good. It's not good. On August 8, 2022, law enforcement raided former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, and Trump accused the Justice Department of playing politics to stop his second presidential bid and political persecution. Now, guess what? That's gotten worse since then. Because since this article was published, Trump was indicted, arraigned for hush money to a porn star. And there's and we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna share a uh, a quote right here from none other than your trusted president that will point out what's going on. Listen to President Biden's own words right here. Um, we just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run. Uh, making sure he, uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. Um, Let's hear that again, because it chopped up a little bit. um, We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by, uh, if uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he... uh, under legitimate efforts of uh, our constitution, does not become the next president again. Um, Did you hear that? That's him, right straight from the horse's mouth, saying that. They do not want him to become president again, and they will do anything, like, pardon the pun, trumping up old charges, turning a misdemeanor into 34 felony counts, Come on, guys, this is a dog and pony show. It's all it is. Again, what does it do? It gets people's emotions up. It gets the division going. So the article goes on to say the Republicans, on their part, uh, were relentless on the discovery of classified documents in Joe Biden's residence, launched investigations into the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan, and demanded accountability. The U.S. state apparatus was reduced to a tool for political parties' self-interest. That's what it is. There's been a weaponization of the CIA, the FBI, and the Justice Department by political lines. Political, <laughs> okay, so party politics increasingly followed race and identity lines. This is where I disagree. According to the Financial Times, Republicans are white 
small town and rural, while Democrats are now almost entirely urban and multi-ethnic. The Republican Party's more has uh, changed a lot and does it's 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 about values right now republicans are on one side and democrats they're, they're not even real democrats anymore democrats are war hawks right now they want this ukraine thing to go on republicans want the war over in ukraine for the most part so th this just doesn't make any sense. And I'm neither. So I, I don't care. I refuse to associate with either of these insane parties. More than a third of the Republicans and Democrats today believe violence is justified to achieve their political ends. When one party loses, its voters feel as though their America is being occupied by a foreign power. <laughs> right now, we kind of are. Political scientist Barbara Walter, not to be confused with Barbara Walters, considered uh, the U.S. a factionalized anocracy, the, the halfway state between autocracy and democracy. Political polarization was more of an obstacle to policy decision making. And go listen to uh, uh, what's her name? The old horse face there out in California, Waters, Maxine Waters, back in 2020, telling people to get up in the politician's face, telling them to be violent. But that's OK. But then when we were told to go or we're instructed to go protest peacefully, oh, that's, you know, that's that's against the law. They put up barriers and I mean, it's just it's all nonsense, guys. If you believe in the left right paradigm, I feel sorry for you because you must be going nuts right now because one day you're happy. The next day you're sad. The next day you're happy. The next day, it's just a game of ping pong. GovTrack, an online non-governmental source of legislative information and statistics, reveals a, uh, reveals a steady fall in the number of laws successive the U.S. Congresses can enact. From 44,247 uh, from the 93rd to the, and you can tell this is Chinese, they said the 93rd to the 98th Congresses, down to 2,081 from the hun, uh, 111th <laughs> they have 111th to the 116th Congress. So what that's saying, guys, is in, in those 10 years between the 93rd and 98th Congress, the U.S. Congress has enacted 4,247 laws. And between the 111th and 116th, another decade, 2,000 laws. It was cut in half. Now, that's way too many fucking laws. That's part of our problem. We have laws for laws for laws. And that's why we're getting in this quagmire. Because these laws are vague. These laws can be politicized. And it's nothing more than a way to control us and to siphon our resources, to keep us under control. The drop was even more pronounced when one considers how many bills would come from laws from 6% in the 106th Congress to 1% in the 116th, a slide of five percentage points over two decades. Now, that's great. I would love that number to stay around 1% because I don't want any of their stupid bills or laws. We don't need more laws and bills. You cannot legislate your way out of this shit. The only legislation that will help is eliminating lobbyists, eliminating PACs, and eliminating 
any financial incentive for politicians and also get rid of term limits or, or, or enact term limits. Sorry, scratch that. We want term limits. These people cannot be career politicians. That's not how the system was set up. That's why partially why the system is failing because these people get in there for a career and they're not in it for you. They're in it for themselves. The tactics used in partisan fights were more scandalous. Professor Larry Diamond of, of political science and sociology at Stanford University believes the norms of democracy, such as self-restraint in the exercise of power and rejection of violence, which should have been observed by the particip participating parties in elections, have begun disintegrating in the U.S. A growing number of politicians and elected officials in the U.S. have been willing to bend or abandon democratic norms in the quest to achieve or retain power. As common political ground vanishes, rising proportions of Americans in both camps express attitudes and perceptions that are blinking red for democratic peril. Democracy in the U.S. is at serious risk of breaking down. It's, it's broken down. We're, we're beyond at risk. The shit is broken down. The system is done. It is garbage. Money politics surged. <laughs> make money your quote. Here's a quote. Make money your God and it will plague you like the devil. So admonished British playwright Henry Fielding. In the U.S., money is the breast milk of politics and elections increasingly morphs into monologues of the wealthy, while the public call for democracy is made only a jarring note. That's what I've been saying the whole time. And they're right here. It's for the wealthy. Look at, look at what happened over the last four years, the way that the money has shifted. It never benefits us. It always goes up. And by up, I mean to the we, to the wealthy, to the elite, and not down to the people who need it. With the devil of money lurking in every corner of American politics, fairness and justice is naturally strained. The latest illustration is the 2022 midterm elections. Now buckle up for this. The whole exercise has a price tag of more than $16.7 billion we wasted on electing these clowns, breaking the record of 2018 of $14 billion. So there's 30, almost $31 billion that could have been used for something to benefit the people that's been wasted on camp elections for these morons. You think we, we could use $30 billion other ways? You know, maybe some medical help for people? Maybe work on the, the homeless problem? Unemployment? You know, helping people rather than just keep pissing it away on this stuff? I mean, it's, it's a joke. The amount dwarfs the 2021 GNP's gross national product of more than 70 countries, an annual, that's how much they spend in a year. We sp spent more than that in our election cycle to elect these clowns. Tell me that doesn't make you sick. I mean, I just, it, it's, it's enraging. Federal Senate races in some states such as Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Wisconsin, and Ohio sucked more than $100 million on average. 
Over 90% of those elected uh, as lawmakers won by splurging funds. It was impossible to identify how much dark money or funds from undisclosed sources was involved. People like George Soros. People who don't have our best interests at hand. American politics has increasingly revealed its nature as the game of the rich. Bingo. That's it. That's all politics is. It's a game for the rich. U.S. think tank, the Brennan Center for Justice, finds that the top 21 families making political donations contributed at least $15 million each, totaling more than $783 million, far more than the $3.7 million of small donations. Who? Okay, so when you elect these people, when these people take these donations, they are now in debt to these rich families. So they have to ha- have policies that help these people. And that's five, uh, okay, so 783 million versus 3.7 million from small donations like you or I would make. You know, and we contribute 20 bucks here, 100 bucks here, or I, I don't contribute, but a lot of people do. Billionaires provided 15.4% of federal election funds. Billionaires. And most of it went to super PACs, political action committees that can accept unlimited donations. That's one of the things I highlighted earlier. It needs to go away. We have to get rid of that. If there's any hope for the system, these super PACs, these, these, these lobbyists need to go away. It needs to be taken out of politics. The enormous bills did not bring effective national governance in return. They only stimulated pork barrel politics. An article by uh, Liani Zaibo observes that the past few decades has witnessed a decay in Western democracy. Wealth is increasingly concentrated in the hands of few, making the poorer poorer and the richer richer. Let me read that again to you. Wealth is increasingly concentrated in the hands of few, making poor poorer and the rich richer. I've been saying that over and over, and that's what is going on here. It's disgusting. This is not what the founding fathers had in mind when they set up this system of a constitutional republic. Politics is controlled by the rich and politicians to serve their own interests. Despite a right to vote, the public does not have a real way to sway over politics. That's spot on. We've said that before on so many shows. We ha- Our vote means nothing. Nothing. Because you have a choice between one idiot or the other. And who are they bought and sold by? Whether, well, it's either a large donor that assign, uh, aligns with the right or a large donor that aligns with the left. They have nothing, no obligation to us in their eyes They because we didn't pay them. We didn't fill their pockets. The sense of powerlessness and loss of confidence in political parties and government has given a risen to populism and the problem remains unsolved. So far, they're spot on, guys. So, you know, China man bad. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to love the country to, to, to say that what they're saying here is true. Now, granted, there's going to be some bullshit in here, like January 6th, like I said, and there's going to be others. I'll, I'll, and I will call them out on it. 
Okay, so here he says, freedom of speech in name only. The United States has always provided itself or prided itself on free speech. In reality, however, freedom of speech in the United States is upheld according to self-centered U.S. standards. Partisan interests in money politics have become two big mountains that weigh on free speech. Any speech that is detrimental to the interests of the U.S. government or capital is subject to strict restrictions. And we've seen that for the last four years. Why could only one side of the COVID argument be, pre be presented? Why could only one side of the vaccine argument be presented? Why could only one side of the lockdown argument be presented? Why can't we even talk about potential election fraud when after 2016, all you heard was election fraud? And we they, they tried to impeach Trump because of Russian interference. You know what the Russian interference was? The Russians probably flipped the switch and wouldn't let them interfere in that election. They prevented the interference, hence why Trump won. You ever think about that? And why they so viciously went after it and, and had to stew up false reports funded by the Clintons? Come on, guys, we're better than this. And now, guess what's coming next? The Restrict Act, which, guys, if you haven't looked into it, look into it. I'm doing, like I said, I keep sounding like a broken record, but we're going to do a show on it because it's insanity. It's the next step to totalitarianism because you will have anything that you say that goes against the government, against anything that interferes with their, their financial institutions. You can be fined a million dollars and thrown in jail for 20 years. How's that sound for free speech? The, the land of the free, home of the brave. My ass. Not anymore. Those days are long gone. I got I keep getting fact checkers and 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 on on my posts when I'm taking it from their news. And and it I get uh hit with it. Uh, a false information, but then I go to somebody else's page and they have the same post and there's not a warning on there. It's a game, guys. And you have to see through it. And all they're doing is tightening the noose. And unless we decide to stand up and do something about it, it's just going to get tighter. U.S. government has all-encompassing regulations on media and technology companies to interfere in public opinion. In December 2022, Twitter CEO Elon Musk and uh, journalist Matt Taibbi posted back-to-back -back tweets that exposed Twitter files, revealing that the U.S. government is heavily scrutinizing all social media companies and censoring. It sometimes it directly intervenes in big media companies reporting, like frequently having Google remove certain links. Twitter censored sensitive information about presidential election candidates ahead of 2020 election, creating blacklists to limit the exposure of unpopular accounts and even hot topics, and working with the FBI to monitor social media content, all while giving the U.S. military the green light to spread disinformation online with the FBI and the CIA. Right? We couldn't talk about Hunter Biden's laptop. Because it's been proven that the FBI went to Twitter. They went to Facebook. They told them this is Russian disinformation. When in fact, it's real. Or real in their world. 
I don't give a shit whether it's real or not. It's all, you could take the laptops. It's all distraction. All this has undoubtedly torn off the fig leaf of free speech in the United States. Capital and interest groups basically can get anything they want when it comes to public opinion. In the face of capital and interest groups, America's media's freedom of speech smacks of hypocrisy. Bingo. Because you can only present one side of the argument. Most American media firms are privately owned and serve the powerful rich. Remember, American media is in the hands of six companies. It was over 250 less than 50 years ago. Now it's down to six conglomerates that own all of our media. Whether it's the owner of media or the investment and advertisement income that the media depends on, all of them are related to capital and interest groups. In his book, The Hypocritical Superpower, Michael Luders, a well-known German writer and media professional, elaborated on the detail of how filtering mechanism of American media under the influence of interest groups chooses and distorts facts. In January 2023, Project Veritas, an American right-wing group, published a video about Pfizer that went viral. It recorded Jordan Tristan Walker, a senior executive at Pfizer, saying that Pfizer was exploring plans to mutate the coronavirus and that the coronavirus vaccines uh, business was a cash cow and that U.S. regulators had vested interests in drug companies. Yeah, right? Remember how we the, the uh, gain of function, right? Fauci lied about that. That's exactly what this is. Mutating coronaviruses is gain of function research. I don't give a shit how you say it. It's, it's word salad. And this is how they skirt around this shit. And until we wake up, man, they're going to just keep doing it. And they keep making more and more money. So they have more incentive to keep doing it. Why not? And they're just going to keep silencing, censoring more and more. To deal with the PR crisis, in addition to insult uh, issuing a statement, Pfizer even had YouTube remove the video immediately on the ground of violating community guidelines. When did a confession violate community guidelines? Such a joke. The U.S. uses social media to manipulate international public opinion and domestic. I'll add domestic into that. In December 2022, the independent investigation website The Intercept revealed that agencies affiliated with the U.S. Department of Defense had long interfered in public opinion in Middle Eastern countries by manipulating topics and waging deceptive propaganda on social media such as Twitter. In July 2017, U.S. Central Command uh, official Nathan Kaler sent to the Twitter public policy team a form containing 52 Arabic language accounts asking for priority services for six of them. Following Kaler's request, Twitter put these Arabic accounts on a whitelist to amplify messages favorable in the United States, or favorable to the United States. And, and, and there's whitelists, there's blacklists, and there's graylists, as we found out through the Twitter files. They will either push or throttle your posts and who it can reach. And we're seeing it right now that Elon's pushing his own tweets, which is hilarious. Uh, why not? 
Eric Sperling, the executive director of Just Foreign Policy, an anti-war organization, commented on this incident that Congress and social media companies should investigate and take action to ensure that, at the very least, the citizens are fully informed when their tax money is being spent on putting a positive spin on the endless wars. Okay. In September of 2022, what happened? The Nord Stream pipeline exploded, right? Ah, but we had nothing to do with that, right? Well, let's just, let's just, uh, let's go back to that. What did our, uh, what did our fearless leader have to say about Nord Stream back in February of 2022? Joe, what do you have to say for yourself? Let me answer the first question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again. Then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream two. We we will bring an end to it. What do you, what? How will you how will you do that exactly? Since the project. And control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. I promise you, we'll be able to do it. Right? But we had nothing to do with it. Oh, it was it was Russian sabotage. They did it to themselves, right? Come on, guys. This is moronic. On February 8th. 2020, uh, February, and yeah, 2023, Pulitzer Prize winning veteran investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch. Pulitzer Prize winning. This isn't just some Joe Schmo. This is a Pulitzer Prize winning writer. Seymour Hirsch published an article exposing the U.S. government as the culprit of the incident. However, American and European mainstream media, known for their sensitivities to such scoops, stayed eerily quiet on the piece of explosive news. As observed by Canadian website Western Standard and German television channel ZDF, Hirsch's report was one of the biggest stories of the decade, but few media in North America wanted to talk about it because the West does not want anyone to find out the truth about the truth and the surveillance technologies it has deployed in the Baltic Sea. Western media even tried to bypass the crux of the issue by questioning the authenticity of Hirsch's report. On February 15th, Hirsch wrote another article accusing the U.S. government and mainstream media of covering up the truth of the Nord Stream pipeline explosion. Analysts pointed out that given Western media's, uh, media's obedience to the U.S., their blocking of Hirsch's revelations is not surprising. Right? This is, this is a clown world. The president said that if Russia crosses this line, we will blow up the pipeline. We have ways to do it. I promise you, he said. But then claims, oh, we had nothing to do with it. Come on, guys, that's just ignorance. If you if you can't believe that and can't follow that trail, ooh, that's why we are where we are. Because so many want to deny; they don't want to believe it. Why? Because they they they're comfortable in their nice little bubble. They're comfortable with their their job and in their house and all their consumer goods, and they don't want to have to have any trouble in their life. Instead, they'll just keep sucking on the teeth of the U.S. government. 
the judicial system blind to public opinion another another uh, and I, we talked about this before with what they're doing to trump as an institution undergirding the uh, country's constitution the supreme court like american society has become deeply divided the judicial power is hijacked by public opinion and partisan struggle has spread to the judicial system which has largely been purchased by mr soros like the da in new york Increasingly, Supreme Court decisions reflect the huge chasm between the two Americas, the conservatives and the liberals, and have been reduced to a tool of political warfare, right? They've weaponized the CIA, the FBI, the courts, all of it. The separation of powers is constantly being eroded. Partisanship has abandoned tradition and crossed the line. Both parties pursue their agenda by changing the political orientation of the Supreme Court. The presidential election has, in some ways, become a partisan battle for the right to appoint judges. The passing away of Supreme Court justices gave Trump the opportunity to appoint, during his term, three justices who took a conservative stance, giving conservative justices an overwhelming advantage over liberal ones. That's not true. Look at what they ruled. A lot of it's garbage. After Trump, radical white evangelical fundamentalists have taken the reins of the Supreme Court. That's comical. According to an article in the South African website, Daily Maverick, I this is that's just bullshit. It's hardly surprising that the Supreme Court almost always makes de- decisions in favor of Christian evangelicals, big corporations, and the Republican Party. What? okay the u.s supreme court's decision on abortion rights fully demonstrates the consequences of being involved in partisan warfare and out of touch with society on june 24th 2022 the supreme court flagrantly endorsed religious conservatism by overturning the roe v wade decision and removing constitutional protections for women's abortion rights no they didn't remove them They move them to the state level where they belong. It's states' rights, states' right to choose. And if you don't like that state, you have the freedom to move to another state. That's that's just false. Polls show that more than half of Americans believe that stripping away abortion rights is a setback for the country. No, and I put here, not it wasn't stripped. It was pushed to the states. And and that's the way it should be. Less power to the federal government, more to the states where we can, our vote has, I mean, it doesn't have much, but it has a little bit more power to do things at the state level than it does at the federal level. Israeli media, Haaretz, commented on uh, that on the issue of abortion rights in Israel, this is Israel. Yeah, these people are high standing authority. A lot of moral over there in Israel as they indiscriminately bomb all of the Middle East. Uh, It says the Supreme Court has undermined democracy in the name of defending it, which is the typical case of tyranny of the minority. Tyranny of the minority is taking place right now, and we are seeing it in the news every day. Look at all the flags flying out there. Look at the push of the trans agenda right look at all this stuff that's the minority they aren't the majority 
We're supposed to bow down to them. Enough of this. This is nonsense. Here is an unrepresentative Supreme Court with its justices appointed by an unrepresentative president and confirmed by an obviously unrepresentative Senate. But it has made a decision that will affect the United States till 2030, 40, or even 50. The Supreme Court also struck down a New York state law that had been in place since 1913, restricting people from carrying concealed firearms. As the nation reflects on gun violence, such a reckless reversal of New York's gun control law is intolerable, noted the governor of New York. No, 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 no. The reason why they don't want us to have guns is because we can stand up to them. Once they take all our guns, we're fucked. (laughs) Pardon my French, but there's nothing left. What, are we supposed to fight their tanks and their helicopters with sticks and stones? How's it working out for the Palestinians? What if the Palestinians were armed? You think the Israelis would be would be doing what they're doing to them? Or the Chinese? People who wrote this. What if your people were armed? You think you could pull the shit you're pulling? Not a shot. So I, I don't want to hear this about, you know, guns are dangerous. No, it's mental health. That's a bigger issue. The guns don't kill people. People kill people. And the reason why they're scared is because is there's more guns in this country than there are people. And that means they can't just come in and do whatever they want to us because we have the largest standing militia in the world. And that is the U.S. armed citizen. Okay, so what the Chinese believe, the uh, American citizens want are a fair ruling on Roe v. Wade. We got that. Real gun reform. We don't want any of that. Higher minimum wages, we don't want that because that's just going to drive up the prices of everything. Steeper taxes on the super rich, I'm all in favor of that. Better health care for all, yes sir, sign me up. And other reforms that heed popular calls. So see, this is where they, they hit on some issues, but some of it's just propaganda nonsense that they're spewing in the mainstream also. Americans are increasingly disillusioned with American democracy. Americans' pride in their democracy has dropped sharply from 90% in 2002. Remember, this is just after 9-11 when they pulled the wool over a lot of our eyes to just 54% in 2022, according to a joint Washington Post-University Maryland survey. A poll by the Public Policy Institute of California shows that California voters have widespread concern that American democracy is going off track, with 62% saying that the country is heading in the wrong direction, 46% pessimistic about the prospect of Americans with different political views working together to resolve differences, and 52% dissatisfied with the way currently American democracy works. And I, I think those numbers are very glaring and they're very true. 62% think the country's heading in the wrong direction. I think that's probably a little bit higher. 46% are pessimistic about the prospect of Americans with different political views working together to resolve differences. I think it's higher than 46 because I don't think a lot of these people would work together. And the division that they've created here with a lot of people, um, yeah, cross-party lines aren't going to work. Take the money out, see what happens. And then 52% dissatisfied with the current way American democracy works. I would say it's much higher than 52%. 
According to a Quinnipiac University poll, 67% of respondents believe that American democracy is in danger of collapse. And that's where I kind of 60, I'm around that with the dissatisfied also, about two thirds of Americans are say that America's democracy is in danger of collapse. I'm right along there. And then you get 48% think that there could be another capital riot in the United States. Well, if there was a riot in the first place, right? We see now here, here's here again is the gaslighting on this because when people, for the most part, peacefully walk through the Capitol, were let in by Capitol police, no extra security was brought in, even though they knew there was going to be a large presence there. The Democrats made sure that there wasn't extra police there, despite the president asking for extra police to be there. But yet we see that as a capital riot. But then you go and look at what's going on at some capitals in some states right now where these these angry mobs are getting violent over trans rights, gay rights, all sexual shit, guys. Nobody cares about the sexual stuff. They just make it an issue. Most people don't care what you do behind closed doors. But what they do care about is when you try and shove it in their face and make you acknowledge it. Because it has no place in a regular discussion. Why do you care what I do sexually? What does it matter to you? Because I sure as hell don't care what you do. As long as it doesn't involve kids, do whatever you want. It's just nonsense. So according to a Pew Center poll, 65% of Americans believe that the American democratic system needs major reforms, while 57% of respondents believe the United States is no longer a model of democracy. I agree. And it says, and I put a note in here, well, do you think politicians will reform themselves? That's comical. Until we get rid of term, we, we put in term limits, and we eliminate lobbying and PACs. These political action committees where they can just raise unlimited funds to support their cause. And then they're indebted to those people. A UCLA study shows that the U.S. government has been losing its ability to govern and its sense of democratic responsibility in recent years and lacks effective measures to push forward large-scale reforms or address issues such as electoral justice and media fraud. Yeah. Why don't we investigate that? What about all the disinformation that the media pushed on us the last three years? All the lies that politicians pushed on us. They locked us down, closed our businesses. All this bullshit. Tried to mask us up and inject us with experimental uh, mRNA injections that they didn't even test. Come on, guys. We're better than this. All right. The United States imposition of democracy has caused chaos around the world. That's absolutely true. In spite of all the problems facing its own democracy, the U.S. refuses to reflect on itself, but instead continues to export American democratic values to other countries and use the pretext of democracy to oppress other countries and serve its own agenda. What the U.S. has done uh, is exacerbating the division of international community and um, 
yeah. So let me let me show you here. Uh, let's close that out. Don't need that one. Um, let's look at our our favorite presidents here. Okay. So let's go back to stop share and let's share this. Okay. So let's look at our wonderful. Okay. So what's it say here? These three men have invaded nine countries in 23 years, killed 11 million civilians, and no one calls them war criminals. And this is President Barack Obama, President Bill Clinton, and President George Bush. They are all war criminals. And you can thank what's going on in Ukraine today to Obama because he started giving them billions of dollars in weapons prior to the or during the uh, Minsk agreement. That was just to slow down Russia and give them time, give the West time to arm Ukraine for this known operation that they were going to make happen because they're trying to destroy Russia and they're going to do it through proxy war. And that's the whole point of this. Anyone that looks into it will see through the nonsense. But many of you don't want to. Don't want to see it. Okay, so foreign policy is held hostage by political polarization. Political stops at the water, or politics stops at the water's edge is a popular proverb in American political circles which means that partisan struggle should be confined to domestic politics and that a united front should be formed when dealing with foreign affairs. Why should it be any different? We should feel, we should look at every situation on a case-by-case basis. doesn't matter whether it's foreign or domestic because every situation is different. Why should we have a, a united front on something just because it happens in a different country? That's asinine. However, with the intensification of political polarization, Democrats and Republicans are increasingly divided on major foreign affairs issues, and America's foreign policy has become more and more extreme. Politics crossing the water's edge has become the norm. It is not only harmful to many developing countries, but also poses a threat to America's own allies. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, The Trump administration and some extreme politicians have concocted all kinds of lies and rumors against China on coronavirus origins tracing. The most typical uh, is in 2021 when the U.S. intelligence agency issued a so-called origins tracing report, which in total disregard of science, fabricated a lab leak story that claimed China lacked transparency and obstructed international investigations. This is where we get into the Chinese propaganda. Okay, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is propaganda. Tracing the origins of coronavirus is a matter of science, but the true purpose of the US, what the U.S. is doing is to obscure the views of the public and manipulate the issue to shift the blame onto China and suppress and contain China. This fully exposes the hypocrisy of American democracy and the ill effects of the political polarization. Okay, now, when it comes to this whole virus situation... It's likely Wuhan was one of the spots it came out of because of -of gain-of-function research that the NIH was doing. 
that Fauci was doing, the World Health Organization was doing. This is intentional. This was planned. Now, may it have come from China? Yes. Did they try and suppress it? I don't know. Probably, because you don't want it saying uh, it came from us. So here's a good one. Under the Biden administration. (laughs) Yeah, under Biden. The U.S. ended 20 years of war in Afghanistan with a hasty withdrawal of troops. It just walked away after shattering the whole country and destroying the future of several generations and killing thousands, tens of thousands. Although its troops have left, the U.S. government continued to sanction Afghanistan and illegally froze the assets of the Afghan Central Bank, making life even worse for the local people. Now, check this. This gets even crazier. A UN-backed report published in May of 2022 showed that nearly 20 million people in Afghanistan were facing acute hunger. Even after the devastating earthquake in Afghanistan in June of 2022, the U.S. still refused to lift sanctions. Political polarization in the U.S. is spilling over. According to a report at the University of Ottawa, there is open support from conservative media, including Fox News, and conservative politicians in the U.S. for the far-right extremists in Canada. It represents a greater threat to Canadian democracy. No, the threat to Canadian democracy is Justin Trudeau and their government. It represents a greater threat to Canadian democracy than actions of any other state, and implications of democratic backsliding in the U.S. for Canada must be reflected upon. Professor Gordon Laxer of the University of Alberta believes the forces moving the U.S. towards autocracy autocracy already exist. It is ingrained among the Canadians that the U.S. is their greatest friend and will always champion democracy. That can no longer be taken for granted. You can't blame America for Trudeau and his policies. He's one of these young global leaders, right? These people that are taking money from whoever these these World Economic Forum Satanists are, all right? Let's call a spade a spade here. These people are not for us. They're all about money. It's like Bill Gates, right? Look at Gates. During the corona, he was pushing that jab so hard and it was so safe and so effective and it was going to get rid of it. If everybody just gets it, it'll stop. Well, then now he totally changed his tune after he made $500 million off it. Now he's saying, well, I think we overstated the virus a little bit. It really just affected the elderly and those with um, comorbidities. (laughs) What about all the people you harmed along the way, you scumbag? Guys, we've got to hold these people accountable. There's no accountability anymore, and that's the problem. All right, so we get into this part, inciting confrontation and conflict in the name of democracy. Democracy is a common value of humanity. It must be used as a tool to advance uh, geopolitical agenda or counter human development and progress. However, in order to maintain its hegemony, The U.S. government has long been monopolizing the definition of democracy, instigating division and confrontation in the name of democracy, and undermining the U.N.-centered international system and international order 
underpinned by international law. Now, let's just take a quick moment here, and we will take a look at the, um, where is it? Okay, we will look at this first. So this, if you remember, we talked about the International Criminal Court. Okay, amid the two... 2002, in 2002, amid the invasion of uh, Afghanistan, just ahead of uh, the bombing of Iraq and removal of Saddam Hussein in power, Congress passed the American Service Members Protection Act, known informally as the Hague Invasion Act, which allows all means necessary and appropriate to bring about the release of any U.S. or allied personnel being detained or imprisoned by on behalf of or at the request of the International Criminal Court, the ICC. It also prohibits cooperation with and the extradition of Americans to the court for trial. So we're, we're above war crimes. We can't be held to war crimes. No, we're the U.S. It's disgusting, guys. Disgusting. Not long after the legislation was signed into uh, law by President George W. Bush, the war crimes accusations against Washington officials started flying within the context of its global war on terror. So we'll go back to another one of his, uh, another piece to this little bill. We'll go back to the beginning of it. And this is how it started. So we get into here. It says, to understand why Resolution 546 is remarkable, we must look back at the U.S. relations with the ICC. On July 17, 1998, 120 nation states voted in favor of the Rome Statute established by the International Criminal Court. Although President Clinton signed the Rome Statute on December 31st of 2000, he stipulated that he would not submit the treaty to Senate for ratification, nor should his successor, until our fundamental concerns were satisfied. The George W. Bush administration took over uh, overtly hostile stance toward the ICC, unsigning the Rome Statute on May 6th of 2002, right after they knew they were going to go to even more war. Congress took the administration's hostility one step further with the passage of the American Service Members Protected Act, which we just talked about, colloquially um, called the Hague Invasion Act. This law authorizes the president to use all means necessary to bring about the release, right? It forbids the U.S. government from providing support. The Bush administration also pursued bilateral immunity agreements, or Article 98 agreements in which both countries agree not to extradite current or former government officials, military personnel, or citizens of other party to the ICC. As of 2018, the United States had concluded at least 100 bilateral immunity agreements with countries. 100. Talk about accountability. There's no accountability when you cannot be held accountable for your crimes. And that's what we do. Again, it's just another instance of us making our own rules. Because we're superior to everybody else, right? We don't have to abide by those stinking rules of humanity. 
We're better than that. We're the U.S. Wait till the pendulum swings, guys. Oof. Since its outbreak in early 2022, the Ukraine crisis has hit the country's economy and livelihood of its people hard. In October 2022, the World Bank released a report suggesting that Ukraine would need at least $349 billion, or 1.5 times the country's total economic output for the whole year of 2021, to rebuild after the war. The U.S. saw the Ukraine crisis as a lucrative opportunity. You wonder why we support Ukraine. It's a lucrative opportunity. Instead of taking any measures conducive to ending hostilities, the U.S. kept fueling the flames and made a huge fortune from the war business, including arms industry and the energy sector. It described its arms supply to Ukraine as a move to support democracy versus authoritarianism. Yet, Joe Biden refuses to negotiate a ceasefire and says we will not negotiate an end to this war. What? And if you want to understand this situation a little bit more, read into it. Look back at how Obama was giving them weapons. And then you want to know what's funny? One of the reasons why they indicted Trump the second time over Ukraine was because he didn't he slowed down those arms being sent to Ukraine and wanted to know a little bit more about it and about why Biden had a prosecutor fired you know just look into it guys it's not that complicated of an issue if you look at money trail that's all our government gives a shit about money not people, not democracy, not peace, money. And unfortunately, the dollar is a dying thing right now. And when it crashes, it's going to be an interesting time. A July 2022 report by Serbia's Center for Strategic Prognosis pointed out that the U.S. saw Russia's 1999 attack on Grozny, the capital of Chechnya, as a crime but called a similar operation in Fallujah, an Iraqi city about the size of Grozny, liberation. You see the gaslighting here? Putin bad, America good. We do the same shit, but we just drape the red, white, and blue over it, and it's liberation. It's for democracy. No. These capitalist pigs, these war pigs, they don't give a crap about the people. It's They see it as a money-making opportunity. No matter how many deaths it has to cause, no matter what they leave in their wake, they don't care. America's so-called democracy has long been hijacked by interest groups and capital and brought instability and chaos to the world. That's a fact. In August of 2022, then U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi made a provo- this is where it gets funny, made a provocative visit to China's Taiwan region in disregard of China's firm opposition and serious representations. It was a major political provocation that upgraded official contact between the U.S. and Taiwan and aggravated tensions across the Taiwan Strait. Yet Pelosi argued that the visit honors America's unwavering commitment to support Taiwan's vibrant democracy. 
She doesn't give a shit about their democracy. But Taiwan makes some good chips. And we need those chips. It's a good moneymaker over there. We need them as a partner. And guess what? It's a little thorn in the side of Taiwan. It gives us a base, an area where we can keep an eye on China right there, right in their backyard. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Isn't that what we do with NATO against Russia? Ah, guys, it's all we are. We want to be the world police. We want to bring down any government that challenges us and challenges the money trail. And right now, China's competing with the U.S. pretty damn good. And so is Russia. How's Russia's economy doing since the invasion and all those sanctions we put on them? They're doing a lot better. And now you're starting to see all these countries are starting to come together outside of U.S. alliances. You have Saudi Arabia making deals with Iran that might end the war in Yemen. Saudi Arabia making deals with Syria that might end that war. Even though the U.S. still funds ISIS in Syria. Go check that out. That's a fact. You have China going around trying to broker a peace deal between Russia and Ukraine and the U.S. will have nothing of it. So what's China doing? Oh, they're going to make a deal with Saudi Arabia to sell oil in yuan. Not in the American petrodollar. And this is what's going to crash. Because people don't want to play ball with the U.S. anymore. They're tired of the bullshit. They're tired of being held hostage by the U.S. military industrial complex and the corporations. U.S. action was by no means defending or preserving democracy, but challenging and violating China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Well, I mean, I find it hard to believe that just visiting a country really affects your sovereignty and territorial integrity, China, over little Taiwan. And if you remember correctly, right before COVID broke out, it was quite beneficial to you because all those Taiwanese protests ended real quick, just like the yellow vests over in France. There was a lot of political upheaval in the areas around the world, and then COVID hit and locked everything down, silenced all those protesters. So you're getting a little Chinese spin here. All right, I mean, a lot of Chinese spin right here, but it's fun. Pelosi's fallacy was unbearable, even to some U.S. politicians. Now, this is great. Look who they go and quote. Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Green. Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that's who we're going to use as a source, saying Americans have had enough with a woman obsessed with her own power she's held for decades while our entire country crumbles. Enough of this fake courage defending democracy. I mean, I would say the same about you, Marjorie, and all of you pigs in Washington. Red or blue, none of you defend democracy. None of you. Ron Paul acts like it a little bit, but I still don't even trust him. The international community is seeking the U.S. approach more and more clearly. Dmitry Medvedev, deputy chairman of the Security Council of the Russian Federation, wrote that the U.S., as a self-proclaimed high priest, has wreaked havoc around the world under the disguise of true uh, democracy and used money, allies, and high-end weapons to improve crudely impose its will. 
An article published on Aram Online, an Egyptian news website, argued that liberalism and democracy have been turned into weaponized ideology that the U.S. uses to destabilize other countries, delegitimize their governments, and intervene with forms of socio-political engineering that often backfires in drastic ways, one of which is Venezuela. Because we were playing around with Maduro and, and, and trying to overthrow him and place tons of sanctions on him. And then what happened? Then Saudi Arabia decided to cut back oil production a little bit. And who did we go to seeking oil? Venezuela. What do you think they told us to do? Yeah, they told us to go pound salt. So then we went to Saudi Arabia after Biden ripped the Saudi prince in the news over here. And, and he got on his knees and begged him, can we please have some of your oil? Saudi prince said, no, go pound salt. We're not doing, we're not changing any production for you. So you're seeing our influence over the world when we don't have a knife to someone's throat, it's fading. It's fading. Okay, chairman of the Indonesian uh, People's Wave Party, Anna Anis Matha, pointed out that the Americans' cleverness is making other countries a battlefield, right? We proxy wars. That's what we do best. Anti-China sentiment and polarization in Indonesia are always are also America's work. Muslims must understand that. I don't understand why Muslims. I think everyone should understand that. Doubling down on unilateral sanctions under the pretext of human rights and democracy, the U.S. has long been using unilateral sanctions and long-arm jurisdiction against other countries based on its domestic laws and its own values. In the past decade, the U.S. imposed unilateral sanctions and long-arm jurisdiction on Cuba, Belarus, Syria, Zimbabwe, and other countries, placed a maximum pressure uh, including uh, North Korea, Iran, and Venezuela, and unilaterally froze $130 million in military aid to Egypt under the excuse of the country's lack of progress in human rights. Such actions have seriously damaged the economic development and people's livelihood in the countries concerned and jeopardize the right to life, the right to self-determination, and the right to development, constituting a continual and systematic and massive violation of human rights in other countries. In recent years, the U.S. unilateral sanctions have been increasingly, and in its uh, long arm, have been extending even further. In order to preserve its hegemony, the U.S. has willfully harmed the interests of other countries, especially the legitimate and lawful interests of developing countries, in disregard to international law and the basic norms of international relations. This whole article is about an article published by the Turkish, uh, Turkish Anadolu Dolu news agency in March 2022 argued that in the name of promoting democracy, the U.S. invaded Iraq on unsubstantiated grounds and brought immense sufferings to the local population. That's true. There were no weapons of mass destruction, and that was our in to Iraq. First, the abuse of sanctions aggravated livelihood challenges. Between 1990 and 2003, the severe economic sanctions by the U.S. took a heavy toll on the local economy and the well-being of the Iraqi people. According to the U.N. Food and Agricultural Organization, the hunger rate in Iraq reached a very high level as a result of U.S. sanctions and embargo. Between 1990 and 1995 alone, 500,000 Iraqi children died of hunger and poor living conditions. 
Second, the incessant war caused enormous civilian casualties. According to the Iraqi Ministry of Health, about 120,000 Iraqi civilians were killed between 2003 uh, when the U.S. started uh, the Iraq War in 2011 when the U.S. announced its withdrawal. And that's just one part of it. Third, the uh, imposed political model failed to adapt. What we tried didn't work. Before uh, the U.S. forced the American-style democracy upon the Iraqi people in disregard of the latter's national conditions, only to aggravate the political fight between different factions in the country, Sunnis and Shias, the and the Kurds also up north. The unilateral sanctions imposed by the U.S. fully demonstrate its arrogance and indifference toward humanitarianism. On February 11th, 2022, President Biden signed an executive order to split in half the $7 billion in, in assets from the Afghan Central Bank uh, that the U.S. had frozen. Half of the assets were to fund financial compensation for 9-11 victims. Mm-hmm. And the other half were transferred to an account at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So basically, we stole $7 billion from Afghanistan on top of all the heroin that we brought in. And we gave it to 9-11 victims and the Federal Reserve Bank. Seems legit, right? For a country that had nothing to do with 9-11. Nothing. (laughs) How about Israel pay a little for 9-11? Huh? That's a novel concept. Such blatant stealing from the Afghan people has been widely condemned by the international community. Sindonews.com, a news website of Indonesia, reported in March of 2022 that people of Afghan descent rallied at the U.S. Embassy in Jakarta to protest the U.S. government's looting of assets from the Afghan government. The indignant protesters argued that the assets of the former uh, Afghan government belonged to the Afghan people and should be used to aid the Afghan people who were experiencing the economic crisis. Absolutely it should have. I mean, what kind of shit is that? You're going to steal $7 billion and not give it to the Afghan people? Come on. Undermining democracy and international relations. All right. International affairs bear a common interest of mankind and should be conducted through consultation by all countries. Yet the U.S. has truly, has never truly observed the principles of democracy and international relations under the pretext of multilateralism and international rules and clinging to the Cold War mentality, the U.S. has exercised fake multilateralism and block politics, instigated division and antagonism, created block confrontation, and practiced unilateralism in the name of multilateralism. Its hegemonic, domineering, and bullying acts seriously impede the development of true multilateralism. The U.S. places its domestic law above international law and adopts as selective approach to international rules, applying and discarding such rules it see as it sees fit. Since the 1980s, the U.S. has withdrawn from 17 important international organizations or agreements, including the U.N. Human Rights Council, the WHO, UNESCO, the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, which we should get out of because that's bullshit, the JCPOA, 
the Arms Trade Treaty, the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty, and the Treaty of Open Skies. And as we talked about before, we are not a member of the International Criminal Court. The U.S. flagrantly violates the purposes and principles of the U.N. Charter and the basic norms of governing international relations, waging wars, and creating division and conflict across the world. Throughout its 240-plus years, the U.S. has been at peace for only 16 years. 16 out of 240, we've been at peace. It is indeed the most belligerent country in world history. <laughs> uh, since the end of World War II, the U.S. has waged or participated in many wars overseas, including Korea, Vietnam, the war in Afghanistan, Iraq, Let's include some African nations. Don't forget about South America. Don't forget about uh, the Asia Pacific. Guys, everywhere. It's everywhere. Which has caused immense civilian casualties and property losses, as well as humanitarian catastrophes. Since 2001, the wars and military operations that the U.S. has launched in the name of fighting terrorism have killed more than 900,000 people including some 335,000 civilians, injured millions and displaced tens of millions. Paying no heed to the UN uh, conventions on the law of the sea and principles of international law or the democratic rights of the Asia-Pacific countries and Pacific Island countries in regional international affairs, the U.S. has emboldened Japan by expressly supporting its decision to discharge nuclear waste from Fukushima even though the government of Japan has not fully consulted stakeholders and relevant international agencies on the disposal, not yet provided sufficient scientific and factual grounds for its behavior, and not yet addressed the legitimate concerns of the international community. On the other hand, the U.S. administration, citing radionucleotide contamination, banned the import of Japanese food and agricultural products from areas around Fukushima, exposing the hypocrisy of the U.S.-style double standards. Advancing the Cold War mentality in the South Pacific region, the U.S. has ganged up with the U.K. and Australia to put together AUKUS, AUKUS a, ra a racist clique, and pledged to help Australia build at least eight nuclear submarines together with the U.K. The move constitutes a serious violation of the principles of the Treaty of the non proliferation of nuclear weapons and the South Pacific Nuclear Free Treaty Zone Free Zone Treaty, treading a reckless line on the brink of nuclear pro proliferation and creating tremendous risks. It has also opened up Pandora's box of regional arms race, casting a shadow over regional peace, security, and stability. Prior to the Ninth Summit of the Americas in June of 2022, Julio Yao, a Panamanian expert on international issues, wrote a local media that today's U.S. is an absolute renegade of international law and the most genuinely authentic personification of the use of brute force in international relations. The U.S. is the only country that has not signed or ratified any human rights treaty and is not party, uh, not a party to the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea. It is the only country that does not ban secret biological weapons with more than 200 laboratories outside of its borders, like Wuhan, like the, the labs we have in Ukraine that Russia was bombing. Guys, you, you starting to see this? Is this starting to make sense? The only thing that the U.S. intends to do with the Summit of the Americas is to involve Latin American and Caribbean in the war in Ukraine. 
and to divide and weaken them. In August of 2022, a South China Morning Post article noted that the so-called democracies of the U.S. and the West have been relentlessly chipping away at the foundations of international rules and exploiting them when it's convenient. Now, what's interesting about this, on his little Biden went to Brazil trying to or trying to convince Lula that Brazil needs to support Ukraine. Lula's like, no, we want to end the war. We want to support a peace deal over there and stop this war. And Biden just moved on. Next, they, they just ignore these people. We are war pigs. Our government is war pigs. While the U.S. and the West denounce Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, they forget their serial interventions, subversions, and interference across the globe. What the U.S. did has smashed up the world economy, therefore exposing more middle-income countries to the debt crisis. When the big powers selective follow the rules they wrote, the whole system lose his credibility. And that's why we have zero credibility anymore. The United States has zero credibility. Hoisting a trumped-up narrative of democracy versus authoritarianism, harboring the Cold War mentality, a hegemonic logic, and a preference for block politics, the U.S. administration has framed the narrative democracy versus authoritarianism and labeled countries as autocracies, a view to using ideology and values as a tool to suppress other countries and advance its own geostrategy under the guise of democracy. Like we said before with Bush and his axis of evil, in the U.S.'s eyes, either you're with us or you're against us. And that means either you support our wars or we're going to do it anyway. In 2021, the U.S. held the first summit for democracy, attempting to divide the international community into so-called democratic and undemocratic camps by openly drawing an ideological line. The move drew questions extensively, including from within the U.S. Both foreign affairs and the diplomat carried articles criticizing the summit as chasing the wrong goal, not only failing to achieve unity among democratic countries, but also drawing criticism for the representation issue. The U.S. has long lacked a set goal in its promotion of democracy around the world and has been slow in following up its rhetoric. When a democracy in the U.S. is in such a mess, holding a democracy summit cannot boost democracy around the world, but more likely create greater geopolitical crises. Hitoshi Tanaka, chairman for the, uh, of the Institution for International Strategy of Japan, pointed out that the U.S. has been imposing democracy on other countries, advancing the democracy versus authoritarianism campaign and expanding global division. Japan should not blindly fall suit. To brand itself as a democracy while other as autocracies is in itself contrary to democracy. The so-called democracy versus authoritarianism narrative does not reflect the realities of today's world, nor is it in line with the trend of the times. Belarus won. A state television station of Belarus commented that the list of participants at, uh, to the summit was clearly based on the U.S. standard of freedom. But the question on how could the U.S. believe that it could monopolize the definition and interpretation of democracy and tell others what democracy should look like? Singapore Straits Times carried a column that said the U.S. must realize that American democracy has lost its former luster and is no longer the gold standard. 
There is no fixed model for democracy, and the U.S. no longer has an absolute say over what democracy means. That is the truth. The U.S. should pragmatically reassess its diplomatic methods and focus on cooperation instead of confrontation. And that's it right there. Why can't we cooperate with the world instead of telling them they have to either fall in line or they're an enemy? That's shit you do in kindergarten. It's either my way or we're not playing. I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. And in this case, they're going to take their ball and they're going to drop it on your country and it's in the form of bombs. Despite, un or they'll have the CIA come in, wipe out your gov government, and then put in a puppet regime uh, backed by their corporate interests. That seems to be an MO we follow also. Despite unprecedented low ratings of U.S. democracy at home and abroad, the country's hysteria to export U.S.-style democracy and values continues unabated. The U.S. has not only cobbled together values based on uh, alliances such as AUKUS, the Quad, and Five Eyes, but also attempted to disrupt and undermine normal international cooperation in economy, trade, science, technology, culture, and people-to-people -people exchanges by drawing ideological lines and trumpeting the Cold War mentality. Al Jazeera observed that the U.S. insistence on holding a democracy summit and acting as a global democratic, democratic leader, when even when trust in its own democratic system is declining, has raised widespread suspicion. James Goldgeier, a professor of international relations at American University, said the U.S. has lost its credibility and that the administration should hold a domestic democracy summit to focus on injustice and equality, including issues such as voting rights and disinformation. Emma Ashford, a senior fellow at the Atlantic County, questioned, how can the U.S. bed democracy or act as an example for others if it barely has a functioning democracy at home? That's hypocrisy. That's gaslighting. That's what the U.S. government's good at. The South China Morning Post pointed out that the summit reflected two myths about U.S. democracy. First, global advance of democracy since the end of the Cold War is backsliding, and it needs the U.S. to reverse it. Second, the U.S. is the most important democracy in the world, and its global leadership is paramount for other countries. These two myths completely ignore the democratic backsliding in the U.S., the rejection of the overwhelming majority of countries, to being kidnapped by the hypocritical concept of democracy of the U.S. and the strong desire of developing countries to grow their economies and raise living standards. Yeah, why can't they do it on their own? Why? Because we have to come in and control the natural resources. Okay, here's the conclusion. And this is, this is kind of interesting because there's a lot of bullshit in here. Uh, democracy is humanity's common value. However, there is no single model of political system that is applicable to all countries in the world. That's absolutely true. Each country should get to choose its own style of life. That's why countries are great. But what is America? America wants border, no borders. We want no borders. One world government, right? We want everyone under the same umbrella. Except our own. We're different. We're, we're the exception. Human civilization, if compared to a garden, should be diverse, in which democracy in different countries blooms like a hundred flowers. The U.S. has American-style democracy. China has Chinese-style democracy. I, I 
I laugh at that Chinese style. Democracy. And then other countries have their own unique models of democracy that suit their respective national conditions. It should be up to the people of a country to judge whether the country is democratic or not and how better to promote democracy in their country. Gee, that sounds like, you know, manifest destiny, controlling your own destiny. We use that. The, the U.S., the Europeans use that to take over America. It's just, it's amazing. These people are such pigs. The few self-righteous countries have no right to point fingers. Those who have many flaws find themselves have little credibility to lecture others. Attempts to undermine others for one's own profit and destabilize the world must be unanimously opposed. I agree. The black and white division of countries as democratic and authoritarian is both anachronistic and arbitrary. What our world needs today is not to stoke division in the name of democracy and pursue de facto supremacy oriented unilateralism, but to strengthen solidarity and cooperation and uphold true multilateralism on the basis of purposes and principles of the UN Charter. Now, I hate the UN too, but we'll go with it. What our world needs today is not to interfere in other countries' internal affairs under the guise of democracy, but to advocate genuine democracy, reject pseudo-democracy, and jointly promote greater democracy in international relations. What our world needs today is not a summit for democracy that hypes up confrontation and contributes nothing to the collective response to global challenges, but a conference of solidarity that focuses on taking real actions to solve prominent global challenges. Instead, we're going to worry about climate change, social credit scores, ESG, nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's a distraction. A, another way for them to, quote unquote, in essence, tax, gain more wealth, acquire more wealth while doing nothing. They're not going to legislate their way out of anything. And that's what the U.S. government has proven. They can't legislate their way out of shit. Now, this is funny. Freedom, democracy, and human rights are the common pursuit of humanity and values that the Communist Party of China always pursues. <laughs> that is the biggest crock of shit ever. That'd be like saying the freedom, democracy, and human rights are the common pursuit of humanity are values that the United States government always pursues. No government pursues all this. This is all nonsense. You're all criminals. China commits to and advocate and advances whole process people's democracy and puts into action the principle of people running the country in the CPC's exercise of national governments in specific and concrete ways. China stands ready to strengthen the exchanges of mutual learning with other countries on the issue of democracy, advocate humanity's common values and mass, uh, values of peace, development, equity, justice, democracy, and freedom, promote greater democracy and international relations, and make newer and greater contributions to human progress. Now, I will say China's making a bid here to bring certain countries of the world together. But honestly, guys, there's still a glaring, glaring weakness in all this. And uh, so 
I just, I don't know. I found this to be extremely comical. Extremely. But this last paragraph, I should say. But overall, they're pretty spot on here. This is, it is what it is. And you know what? Sometimes introspection hurts. Looking at yourself in the mirror truly and being honest with yourself, it could be painful, but it's the only way you grow. If they're going to keep lying and gaslighting and bullshitting, the country as we know it is going to come to an end. The dollar is going to crash. There's going to be other groups in the world that form. And the U.S. is going to slowly lose its power and influence around the world. And like I started with, hey, Rome was destroyed. Greece was destroyed. Spain was destroyed. Why are we any different? All empires come to an end. Why not ours? And, you know, guys, I love my, I love me some, some Jimmy Dore. And I never miss a chance to share his show because this man does probably my favorite show out there, uh, the Jimmy Dore show. And if you're not watching it, this guy, he nails it every show with great guests, great clips, great analysis. And here it is right here. This is what we just talked about for the last hour and a half plus in a nutshell. These things are obvious, right? I, I don't run around saying, you know, I'm smarter than everybody when it comes to politics or I'm even smart. The whole point of this show is that you don't have to be smart to see what's fucking wrong with our system. That's how messed up it is. That if a guy like me can see through this, I know that they see through this and that this is professional wrestling because they're all being paid by the same guy. That's the whole point of this show. And that the problem in this country isn't Donald Trump. He is a symptom of the problem. The problem is the corporate capture of both our political parties. Bingo. The political capture, or the corporate capture of both our political parties. That's it. It's a uniparty. It has become a uniparty. It is, and it's so obvious, but many so many don't want to see it. They don't want it. Let's see. What do we have here? Oh, that's that stupid war. Never mind. Yeah. They just refuse and refuse and refuse. And so we're going to go out the same way that we came in. All right. We're going to play it one more time, guys. Listen closely. What are you talking about? America is not going to be destroyed. Never. Rome was destroyed. Greece was destroyed. Persia was destroyed. Spain was destroyed. All great countries are destroyed. Why not yours? Why not yours? With that said, guys, I thank you very much for another episode. I appreciate all of your support. If you want to support some more, go to patreon.com slash the great deception podcast. Uh, please 
share the show, leave a review if you can. It greatly helps. Um, on Apple, you can leave a review and a comment. I will read it on the show. Uh, Spotify, if you could just click the stars, leave a rating there. It's much appreciated. We need to get this information out to people. We're, we're, we're at a critical point in humanity, folks. As you can tell, they want to take it one direction, and it's a direction that doesn't benefit any of us. So if you want to start, start at home. Question everything, right? It's simple. Just have to question. Think about things. Don't just blindly follow anything or any. One. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Stay strong and question everything. Right after 9 11, about 10 days after 9 11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. We've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> like, we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. And by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. This is a memo that describes how we're gonna take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran.